Rise, rise, rise. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Todd Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer at Aiden Auto. Aiden integrates third-party digital services directly into your vehicle to elevate your driving experience. Todd has experience from startups to Fortune 100 companies across the industry, and no matter where he is, he helps businesses and networks expand and grow. In this episode, Todd describes how to organize your startup for success and how to make RevOps reflect your go-to market strategy. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. Now, please enjoy this interview with Todd Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer at Aiden Auto, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Excited to chat with you. Excited to chat about Aiden and all the cool stuff that you're doing chat about revenue, chat about RevOps, and everything in between. And as always, our show is presented by Qualified. Qualified is the absolute best. Go to qualified.com to learn more. They're a tool that every single RevOps person needs in their toolkit. If you're selling with Salesforce, if you're using Salesforce, you need to use Qualified. Go to qualified.com. Let's get into it today. Todd, tell us a little bit about your first role in revenue. So I've been doing business development and sales my entire career. It's just always been where I found myself. But really, the first big opportunity in RevOps was when I joined Zendrive. Zendrive was a very cool new tech startup out of San Francisco. And I joined there in 2017 as the first BD hire. It was basically a bunch of really smart engineers, and they needed to start building partnerships. And so they brought me in and over the next three and a half years, built out the entire revenue function. So we built out a sales team and a BD team, built out a PR and marketing team, built a fantastic customer success, and also added a couple of solutions engineers and really built it out as one coordinated operation. And it worked really well and uh, loved it. I've never looked back. And so flash forward to today, tell us what it means to be CRO of Aiden. So Aiden is a fantastic new startup, just founded in 2020. And I'm playing a similar role to what I did at Zendrive. I, again, was the first BD hire, and we are just in the early stages of building out a sales and a BD team, starting to build out a customer success team, um, as well as PR and marketing. So we're in the very early stages of building those out, defining what our customer journey looks like and what the procedures for each one of those different groups bring to the table. We're really in that high growth, very fluid, some would say chaotic time that's always fun in the startup. The perfect time to be talking about RevOps. <laughs> and it, and it's, it is one of those things that I think is so fascinating with startup world, which is when you get to build everything from scratch and you get to build things the way that you want to do yeah. it. Obviously, resource constrained, of course, but it's a fun time to build. It is. Every startup has limited resources. So you're always trying to do everything you can with what you have. But how you structure your revenue ops really can be one of the keys to whether or not the startup makes it or not. So make sure that you're amplified and getting the most out of the resources you have available. All right, let's get into our rev opening here. How do you define revenue operations? So I define it as everything that touches the generation of revenue for the company. So I have a pretty broad umbrella. I definitely think it begins with PR and marketing, um, certainly sales management, uh, the BD team, and customer success. I think that's all probably pretty standard. 
but I also would include solutions engineering in there because it's really part of the sales process. If you're moving into a POC and your solutions engineer is integral to that, particularly if the actual process of integration is part of your value proposition, if you have a faster integration or an easier integration or a no-code integration, those are keys to your selling and the solution engineer is key to it. So I, I would include all of those different groups. And I would say it, you really need to maximize revenue. You, you need really good collaboration and cooperation across all of those different teams. And how does Aiden go to market? Who are you selling to? So Aiden, really, we reach out in, in two places. So primarily, we reach out to auto manufacturers, auto OEMs. Our solution provides them a way to monetize access to their vehicles, to connected vehicle data, not just data, but also to communicating and talking with the owners and drivers of the car. At the same time, we also reach out to service providers, anybody that wants to provide a service into a car, like an insurance company or a parking company or an EV charging network. And one of the keys to where we are right now in our growth is maintaining balance. So we have auto manufacturers that have cars that provide data, and then we have enough service providers to provide value to those auto OEMs. So it's um, people often say it's the chicken or the egg, and we kind of respond, look, uh, maybe it is the chicken or the egg, but at the end of the day, if you want either chicken or egg, you got to buy one of them. <laughs> That's right. And what does, uh, you know, it's early days, so you don't have a, an entire massive RevOps team yet. So what does RevOps look like at Aiden? So for us, one of the first positions we filled, um, we actually hired uh, Angela Samoz as our PR and marketing person. Because the first step was to build awareness. And she's done an amazing job of getting us to the right events and getting the right analysts and the right journalists to cover us. And we've really, in a short period of time, generated some pretty fantastic awareness. And we won some really nice awards. We won the Editor's Choice Best of Mobile World Congress. So a couple of awards and really driven a lot of awareness. So that's been great. So that certainly is a fantastic tool for our BD folks as they're reaching out to auto manufacturers and to service providers to share with them all the coverage we've been getting and the great analyst covers that we've been getting as well. So that's been really helpful. Step two is starting to build out our business development team. And we've done that in kind of a unique way. We have some direct employees and we've also used some contractors with some highly motivating compensation in place. So that's worked out pretty well. And um, right now we're in the process of building out our customer success to really support our initial clients. Yeah. How do you think about building with Think like a big company. You always hear that with regards to your go-to-market strategy and how RevOps fits into that. The RevOps should be a reflection of your strategy and your go-to-market plan. And for Aiden in particular, we have a, I would say, highly focused outreach. Um, we have a, a very the small team, but a very well-connected team, a very strong network. And so we leverage that network of the members of our team, as well as our advisors and our investors to try to compress the sales cycle by getting in front of decision makers as soon as possible. And I know everybody says we want to compress the sales cycle. I, I get that. But the way that we do that is by using existing connections to reach out directly. So ideally, our very first meeting is with a decision maker so we can move really mm -hmm. quickly. Instead of having to go months of going through gatekeepers and using drip campaigns, that's just expensive and startups don't necessarily have the money for that. So we very specifically selected people to join the team that were highly connected in the auto and connected car ecosystem so that we could use existing networks to go right to decision makers. Yeah, that's fascinating. Any types of bottom-up approach when your startup is like, if you're not talking to a decision maker, not only is it 
not helpful from a sales perspective, but it's also not helpful from like a product feedback perspective. Yep. Like when you're a startup, you need to know why they're saying no. And if they're saying no and it's not an actual no, then you're not getting any information from that exchange either. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And for Aiden Auto, our product is a services platform. So we can deliver any service. We're really, we're service agnostic as well as auto OEM agnostic. We can work with any auto OEM. We can work with any service provider. But really valuable feedback is what are the use cases and services that the OEMs really want? What are their top priorities right now? And mm-hmm. just as you just mentioned, that information really needs to come from well-informed decision makers within the auto OEMs. So the more we can get in front of those people and get their feedback, whether it's a yes or a no, or, hey, we need to see you build out this first, that's all invaluable feedback. Let's get to our first segment, Rev Obstacles, where we talk about the tough parts of RevOps. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to what? There's your obstacle. What's the hardest RevOps or just revenue problem you've faced in the last six months? So the biggest challenge for us at Aiden Auto is we are really a brand new technology. We're not a data aggregator. We don't use mobile apps. We don't use hardware. We are a software-only solution that connects directly to a connected car and streams real-time data directly off the car to our service providers and provides two-way communication. So these service providers, whether it's an insurance company or a parking company or an EV charging network, they can communicate directly to the car. We actually allow them to deliver web pages directly into the car so they can deliver their web pages, deliver their URL directly into the vehicle user interface. And it can be interactive web pages so they can communicate directly with the drivers. So this is really a, a new way for people to deliver services into the car. And so our biggest challenge is bringing people up to speed on what Aiden is, how it works, and the incredible opportunity for OEMs to monetize access to their vehicles and the incredible opportunity for service providers to deliver their services directly to the drivers in the vehicles. And again, it's new. So people will always compare us to data aggregators or to um, to mobile apps or hardware providers, and we're really different. And so a lot of our initial pitches is really educating people on the technology and how it works and what it unlocks. When you're thinking about such a new product offering, is there any things either, obviously this company is still very early days, but something in your previous role where we're getting that just brand awareness of just being even on the map, how that can how that can help or any best practices there where that can help. I think that's a challenge that a lot of startups face. The other great advantage we have at Aiden is that this isn't just slides. It's not slideware. We're, we're actually live. We are live with Volvo Group vehicles. We're live with Lincoln Co. vehicles. So we can actually give live demos and show that, yes, we are in production. This mm-hmm. is live. This is an idea. This isn't just a concept. It's live and it's out there. And if you go live on our platform today, we can connect you to uh, to vehicles tomorrow. So that's a huge advantage. But yeah, awareness is that first step. And I say the second step is building a sales and business development team that is really tenacious as well as really well connected. And I think on the tenacity piece, you need BD people and salespeople that that push that boundary of they want to be tenacious without becoming a pain in the ass. And that's it, it's easy to cross over. And I think we all have had experiences with both sides. But if you can push that envelope, again, it helps you to maximize your output of what the effort you put in. Yeah, especially when you're selling something new. Like some people just, 
aren't ready to take the plunge on something new, even if you feel like it's their, in their best interest. And that can be challenging. Well, that, that's certainly true in our space, right? We're selling to auto manufacturers and really the biggest service providers out of the door are insurance companies, both of which are very big, typically big legacy companies that are very risk averse and they don't change direction quickly. Yeah, that, that's always a challenge in building their confidence, building their awareness, making them aware of all the opportunities and the problems that we can help them solve. So that that's a challenge. You mentioned investing in customer success. Obviously, you've already invested in sales and in marketing. How do you sort of balance the resources for those three groups? Or do you even see them as three distinct groups? Or do you just see them all as part of revenue? I actually like to build a team. So you've got one BD or sales rep um, with a customer success rep that work together on a daily basis. So they get to know each other and know each other's flow. Yeah, the solutions engineer in there to help out with the integration and the technical work. So you've got all of those individuals working together. So it's not just the teams working together, but I actually like to team up the individual people. So you're working with the same folks every day. And I think that really builds a fluidity and helps you have a seamless experience for your end user. Yeah, and then as you layer on marketing on top of that, how do you think about driving demand in that marketing function? So again, I think you need to have really tight collaboration between your sales and BD team and their initial outreach and your PR and marketing. So that all is telling a consistent message and communicating a, a consistent value proposition. And then that comes back to the point you were making earlier about quality feedback from your customers, from your end users. We can get that feedback either from the BD and sales folks or from the customer success folks. And we can then build that into our messaging and reflect that in our marketing so that we're constantly iterating and constantly improving the message, improving the value, and making sure that all of those different pieces are communicating that in sync. Um, I think that's where you get the most efficiency. Any uh, rev oops moments over the past year or so or any mistakes if, if you had a magic wand and had to do over anything that you would do over? It's always hard to keep all of those pieces in balance so that you are delivering the, the the people that you need and the roles that you need based on the client base that you have. So it's easy to start with your sales and your BD and ramp up sales as fast as you can. But if you don't have the customer success people in place to support those clients, you risk having an early client failure, which can be disastrous for a startup. I think even though startups tend to want to put a ton of resources into sales and BD right up front and ramp up client base and ramp up revenue, you have to balance that. You have to have the customer success folks in place to make sure you're supporting those clients so that you don't have that catastrophic early on client failure. Let's get to our next segment, the tool shed. We're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B tool shed is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com right now and check them out. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed. This is my favorite place, <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! Todd, what's in your tool shed? How have you set up the technology in the early days for Aiden? So at Aiden, we use, uh, we use Google. So we use uh, Google Mail and Google Docs. And so right now we are using a CRM tool called Monday.com. This syncs with all of our Google tools and makes it very simple and easy for our folks to track their interactions with clients. Before Monday.com, we were on Notion, which is great because it's super cheap. But we did find as we grew, we needed more functionality, but we didn't think we were big enough to really need all of the resources of Salesforce. So Monday is a fraction of the cost of Salesforce. So again, it's a great place for us to start as a startup, 
but also one of the things that we made sure was true as we move forward with Monday was that when we are ready, when we feel we're big enough and we need all the functionality of Salesforce, we can very easily transition and move all of our data from Monday over to Salesforce. So that was um, kind of the ability to move forward to Salesforce at some point was a criteria in us selecting Monday. But it's worked really well. And then on top of that, we need to train our sales and our BD and our CS to really live in the CRM and make sure that they're capturing everything there. Honestly, I think that's often one of the biggest challenges. Even if you're an organization, you've gone out and you bought Salesforce and you've hired some consultants and you've customized the whole thing and it's all fantastic. If your uh, sales and CS folks aren't using it, it's of little value. So along with your investment in the technology, you've got to invest in training your teams and making sure they're really using that CRM team and capturing everything in there. What metrics matter to you? We are an early stage startup. So right now we really care about um, quality engagement with potential clients. And for us, that means a balance of auto manufacturers and service providers. So again, we don't want outreach to a thousand different prospects. We want outreach to a hundred high quality prospects that can move quickly and can convert to actual production and revenue in this calendar year. So we are pretty focused on a limited number of high quality prospects. Is there anything that you measure within that where like to score those type of engagements or score those type of like ICP accounts? We always look at yield from outreach. So if we do a LinkedIn outreach or email outreach, whatever that is, we're looking for where we can get the highest yield. Uh, And that comes back to one of our original strategies, which was to hire highly connected people that have really strong networks in our specific ecosystem, which is automotive. Mm -hmm. And even within automotive, it's connected cars and connected car data and services into those cars. So it's, it's a pretty defined niche. And so by finding people that are already well-established in that niche that have known names, it really increases your yield. So instead of getting a, a cold LinkedIn outreach from someone you're not even connected to, you're getting an outreach to someone you've been connected to for years and have had previous conversations, which, and maybe even have done business with in the past. And so instead of going from one to 3% yield, we hope to get 30 to 40% yield out of every campaign. You mentioned a couple of the types of campaigns that you're doing, outbound with LinkedIn and outbound with, with email and things like that. Any other ways that you think about your go-to-market strategy and how you're doing stuff and tracking it? We do use LinkedIn a ton. We are heavy LinkedIn users. It's kind of a critical tool for us. But again, just related to our highly targeted strategy, we use our advisors and our investors a lot. So we have a a pretty Mm -hmm. defined target list of auto manufacturers and parking companies and insurance companies, EV charging networks, predictive maintenance companies, fleet management companies. So we have a defined list within each one of those verticals. And when we bring in a new advisor or we bring in a new investor or we're talking to one of those advisors or investors, we share our target list and we compare who do you know these different companies? What introductions can you make? And really a a warm introduction from an investor can be your most powerful tool because they can put you in touch not only with the decision maker, but they often can put you in front of executive or C-level people that can, number one, give you fantastic feedback on whether they believe your solution has legs or not. They can point out holes that maybe you haven't seen. And ideally, they love your solution and can fast track moving from conversation into actual production and ideally revenue. We really leverage our advisors and our investors and their networks. Any uh, blind spots that you wish you could uh, measure better? 
That's a great question, but by definition, I wouldn't know what they were. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we have blind spots. It's always great to get someone that has a completely fresh perspective to look at your product, to look at your value proposition, and look at how you are bringing that to market. I love it when someone that I would not think of as part of the automotive ecosystem reaches out and sees a clear connection and explains, look, we can service your clients as well. And this is how we do it. And this is a use case you haven't thought of. I love that. So I always enjoy getting that out, outside perspective that points out something you, you haven't thought of yet. Any tool that you're excited about investing in sometime in the near future? Actually, I've been talking recently with the Angel Squad from Hustle Fund. Uh, and I think we're going to use them to help us. But uh, they have a lot of energy and a, a really connected network. Um, and they seem to be able to move at a higher pace than your typical VCs. It's certainly since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the subsequent additional couple of collapses, the VC world has gotten really competitive, really tight. It's a little bit harder to get VC money than it was before those collapses. The Hustle Fund and Startup Boost are a couple of the companies that you can go to now that still seem to have a lot of momentum, have a lot of energy, and get things uh, to happen quickly. I would definitely do a shout out to Hustle Fund and Startup Boost, a couple of great organizations. So yeah, we're, we're excited to be working with them and also both companies that I would invest with personally. Any other thoughts on Toolshed or spreadsheets or metrics or anything like that? Spreadsheets get a bad rap as old technology, but I think the reality <laughs> is all of us, if we're being honest, will admit we use spreadsheets all the time and they definitely have value and they have function. And the problem obviously is they don't scale. Although Google Docs helps a lot. If you can share a Google Doc, that extends the use of spreadsheets But ultimately, you need to convert over to a larger system that's more scalable because the the next step for every startup, once you've got your base clients and you've reached production and you've got revenue coming in, now you need to scale. And ultimately, spreadsheets and the processes that go along with spreadsheets are not scalable. So that's when you need to look to um, your larger tools, your enterprise tools. And I think that's why ultimately everybody ends up with uh, Salesforce and high usage of LinkedIn because those two have, have proven to scale. And I think you, know, you you kind of have the network effect with both of those. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, on like go-to-market strategy or any other go-to-market type things that you've seen best practices? Whenever you talk about strategy, you need to have an alignment. So right, you know, strategy and company culture typically come from your CEO. The strategy and the culture is a reflection of theirs. And then that needs to be tied in with your value proposition and your product so that your go-to-market and your outreach all align with that same strategy. And so for us... We have a very tight niche, so we have a very tight focus, uh, a laser-focused outreach. But that's just for us. If you have different companies that are have broad application across B to C, you're going to need a completely different outreach, and you may need a different strategy, and you may need a different culture within your company. So I think the key is to align your CEO's vision and your CEO's strategy and culture with your revenue ops and your go-to-market plan and how all of that is communicated out to the market. That all needs to be in sync and all needs to be collaborated and all the different teams cooperating together to present a single unified vision and value proposition. All right, Todd, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. If you could make any animal any size, what animal would it be and what size would it be? Maybe maybe you could do something with bees. So bees are pretty amazing animals. They are incredible at collaborating and cooperating. And these little teeny creatures with very little individual strength 
can accomplish so much and get so much done through really tight cooperation and really good communication. And I think good metaphor or aspiration for any team that has a complex problem. If you can cooperate and communicate as well as bees, you probably have a good chance of being successful. And the world needs more honey. So, you know. More honey is always good. Yeah. Yeah. And more pollinators. <laughs> do you have a do you have a RevOps misconception or perhaps a prediction for us? I say the biggest RevOps misconception comes to uh, BD folks. Everybody, I think, thinks they're the fun guys or the fun gals that are at the party and buying drinks. And while the engineers are back at the office working their butts off, the, the BD team's out schmoozing clients. And while schmoozing clients is absolutely a part of the job, that's the icing on the cake. All of the extremely detailed planning and research that goes into who exactly you're going to schmooze and what exactly you're going to tell them when you have them at that nice dinner, all of that work gets overlooked. But I would suggest that BD and sales and CS and all of the research and preparation that goes into that outreach often gets overlooked because all they see is the fancy dinner. So I'd say that's a big misconception. There's a lot of work that goes in before you get to ideally sit down with your prospect at a nice dinner. If you, or do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show or something like that that you're checking out and you recommend? You know what? An old favorite that just came up in a conversation recently is The Challenger Sale. It's a great book. And most people in sales or business development have read it at some point. It's Dixon and Adamson are the authors. And it's just, it's a classic uh, approach that says, you know, your your client isn't always right. And sometimes you need to challenge your client and help them take a new perspective to grow their business. And you can use that to help move from transactional into relationship-based conversations. But it, it is a little bit different perspective and one that's, I think, worth finding on your shelf and rereading. I love it. That's a great one. It's such a good book. I feel like they need a challenger sale like 3.0 that's mixed with our today's go-to-market, which is a little bit crazier. That's probably a good idea. If they updated that with some new use cases, that would probably be great. I bet that would sell. Especially with everyone on earth being available on LinkedIn and like how to do things the right way and how to scale efforts and what social selling is now and all that sort of stuff. There's an element to that challenger sale that I think is Pretty fascinating. But yeah, great, great shout. One of my faves. Excellent. Any final piece of advice here that you'd have for someone who's newly leading a, a go-to-market team? Focus. Every startup fights the challenge. You get all sorts of people bringing new ideas and things that you can do. And you can only do so many things. And every startup has limited resources. So maintain your focus. Stay focused on things that you can do right now. Don't let yourself get pulled in too many directions at once. Awesome. Todd, thanks so much for joining. Great to have you on the show. For our listeners, obviously, if you're in the connected car space, if you're an OEM or a service partner, check out adenauto.com. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.